Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, Gojo and Golik, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving in the 2024 NBA postseason. You get it. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. All right, big thanks to Jordan Brooks for stopping by. We'll talk to Cardale Jones, uh, former Ohio State quarterback, coming up at the end of this hour. Uh, he's got a book out right now and is just in general a fascinating man, the author of maybe my favorite college football tweet ever, We Didn't Come Here to Play School. So, uh, <laughs> Dad, I don't know if you have as, as much of an affinity for that. You remember that tweet, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember we talked about that tweet a bunch. I mean, what a what a story that was, him coming in and leading Ohio State to a national championship. Like we said, we have the, the Florida State comparison now uh, with, with you know, the road still possibly clear in front of them if they remain undefeated. But also I'll be interested in what he thinks about Ryan Day losing three in a row to Michigan yeah. and what that thought process is for former players and alumni. Yeah, no, I saw Joshua Perry, who was on with us, was 
pretty strongly against what he had heard from really Kyle McCord and CJ Stroud last year who both said we're not defined by just one game and push back on that notion like dog no around here you kind of are defined by that game and it is an important game and it's not like all the rest of them there's a reason we got to clock up year-round talking about that so I'll be curious for Cardale who was you know involved in that rivalry and certainly got to that highest point got to that national championship I believe with Josh on that team about how he views a lot of the attitude of some of the current players there but dad we're not here to talk about that just yet what we're here to talk about is coming off the nfl weekend a little something nothing or everything uh how we interpret some of the results that we saw from this weekend some of the stuff that we didn't get to yesterday and i want to start with this dad something nothing or everything how much meaning are we putting behind the kansas city chiefs get right offensive game The Chiefs score 31 points and match their second highest output of the season in a game where they started off in a two-touchdown hole against the Antonio Pierce Las Vegas Raiders. So, Dad, I don't know if we fully know what to make of this Raiders team yet, how good they actually are, but at the beginning of this game, it looked like the team that was more talented, especially at the skill spot, than their Kansas City counterpart. You saw the best of Josh Jacobs at running back. You saw the best of uh, Devontae Adams at wide receiver, and you looked at oh man I could see why we were all so disappointed in Josh McDaniels and then Kansas City kind of flipped the switch so something nothing or everything dad the Kansas City Chiefs offense flexing this past weekend well I mean yeah I mean I'll I'll give them the everything that they did flex but I also think there's part of me that looks at the rest of this AFC and it's not what we thought it was going to be what other team are we worried about in the AFC? Every division leader has three losses. I get it. So the number one seed in the conference can shift around. But in all honesty, I, I think there's one team right now, one team that could really kind of challenge Kansas City, and that's Baltimore, basically because of their defense mm-hmm. and how well their defense is played. I know Jacksonville, like I said, has the three losses and Miami as well. But I just I don't see either one of those defenses being able to really do the job uh, against KC when it gets to crunch time in the playoffs. But Baltimore has an excellent defense and certainly an offense that can put some points on the board and talent on the offense. So while we looked at this deep conference at the beginning of the year, I have it basically down to those two. I really do. Now, Buffalo looks good every now and then, especially when Josh Allen is running the ball, and we know Miami can put some points on the board. But to me, it's basically Baltimore. So I don't know if I'm saying this about Kansas City because of Kansas City, because I still wonder where you're going with the ball outside of Travis Kelsey. It's been Rasheed Rice. It's been uh, it's been Watson as well. Uh, he, he, is, he has come on somewhat strong, Justin Watson. So, but I, I think it's more about the rest of the conference, quite honestly. It is just not the power that we all thought it was at the beginning of the year. At least I don't believe so. I, I still think it's one of those things like where they're going outside of Travis Kelsey to me doesn't really matter because it's 15 still. Like that was what this game reminded me of is, oh, that's right. As long as you got that dude in an offensive line that can actually keep him upright, you're going to be in pretty good shape. And this year you've got a weaponized defense. Like you've actually got a group of dudes that can hang on the other side. Because if you get down to a matchup like Baltimore, dad, I would favor Kansas City in that one. Because if you're going to say, hey, both of these teams got really good defenses and I'm counting on one team to have the quarterback make more plays especially in the postseason I'm not going to do the Lamar Jackson thing where I think he's a lesser quarterback because they haven't had 
as deep of a postseason run as we've wanted to. But Ty goes to the runner until further notice with Pat when you get into those moments. So I, I would say they'd be favored in there. And I'd be curious as we start to think about what is the best matchup for the Chiefs in the AFC if you're going to beat them. I don't know if I would believe it's Baltimore right now. I would favor Kansas City over Baltimore, but I think Baltimore is the team, I think the team that could knock them off uh, in the playoffs and represent. That's the team, I think, that has the ability, both offensively and defensively, to do it more than any other team in the AFC. But I still, Kansas City's the favorite, without question. Yeah, I'll say everything in this game. I, I think seeing the ball go through the basket again for them, we'll see if maybe time will will, will out here that this Raiders team was coasting on some high energy coming off Antonio Pierce taking over that job and maybe it'll settle but honestly I came out of that game this isn't part of the question or not but I looked at some of the way the talent performed for that Raiders team that's gonna be an interesting job like obviously Antonio Pierce is gonna have his day in court when it comes to potentially keeping the reins for that job but there is some appeal there provided you've got options that you can start to work around with the quarterback situation because it's clearly not going to be Jimmy uh, Garoppolo I don't know if Aiden right. O'Connell's your long-term answer by any stretch. Right. He's come in and played very well for a rookie p- picked where he was. But uh, there is some appeal there given the weapons that you've got on that Las Vegas Raiders team. Dad, let's get to the Bills. Speaking of AFC teams, after this loss this weekend, Dad, something, nothing, or everything, the Buffalo Bills on life support walking into the rest of the season. Oh, I think that's something. Their next two games are Kansas City and Dallas. So, I mean, that's something right there. And then they have the Chargers and they have New England. That should be two wins for them. And then they finish with Miami. Miami now has three games, three losses. Miami's eight and three, and Buffalo has six losses. So we have to see what Miami does uh, by the time they get to that last game of the season because the Bills already beat them once this year. So we'll see. So I do think there is something to that schedule because KC and Dallas are their next two games coming up. That that's going to be that's going to be difficult for them, no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I think the margin for error is at a place right now that's really concerning. I will definitely say something like I, I still can't quit them because they're a really good football team that just went through an awful turnover stretch. This is a mind-blowing stat. We talked about, on one side, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who had a winning record despite being outgained in the first nine games of the year. This win this last weekend was actually the first time the Pittsburgh Steelers outgained an opponent in a win this year. Conversely, the Buffalo Bills have a 101-point uh, differential and are 6-6 six and six right now. They are the... It is unbelievable. They're the only team since 2000, according to 33rd team, the only team since 2000 to outscore their opponents by 100 or more points through 12 weeks and not have a winning record. So it doesn't make sense, Dad. We watched this football team play, including this last weekend, and still see a team that absolutely on their best day stares eye-to-eye with almost anyone in the NFL. And for all we talked about with the turnovers of Josh Allen, I do think it's the defensive attrition that's going to ultimately be their undoing in so many critical situations. The turnover stretch did not help, but I think all the injuries... We talked about it before the season. We've probably seen the best version of this Buffalo Bills roster in this particular window come to pass already. So it was going to be hard this year anyway because they haven't made that cycle to the next wave the way that Kansas City and Cincinnati have. 
So the, the thing to me is, do you have the ability to, to make a run in the playoffs? And we're talking about run. Buffalo is one of the teams we talk about making it to the Super Bowl. So you have to make a consistent run in the playoffs. And I don't trust Buffalo right now to make a consistent run in the playoffs when you're one and done. That they could put game after game after game to the Super Bowl to consistently well, let me, let me get add, it done. Let me ask you this, because I actually think – if you jumble together, so if we look at the back end of the AFC playoff picture right now, you've got the four division leaders, and then in the five, six, seven slot, you've got the Pittsburgh Steelers at five, you've got the Cleveland Browns at six, right. and you've got the Indianapolis Colts currently sitting at the seven spot right, right now, followed by the Texans, the Broncos, and the Bills. Dad, of every team I mentioned, from the Steelers on down, if you said, who in that group do you trust most to win a postseason game? I would probably at this point give the nod to the Houston Texans, but Buffalo's right there. And realistically, given what we've seen from them in the past, I would trust Buffalo to win a postseason game over every non-Texans team that we just mentioned there. I would trust Buffalo probably even over the Texans to win a game. Yeah. But unfortunately for Buffalo, it's Super Bowl, and they need to win more than a game in the playoffs, and that's where I see them. I just don't see them consistent enough to put a string of wins together in the postseason. I guess I'm just saying, like, their charge right now isn't their problem is we don't know if they're going to get to the postseason. Exactly. That's the difficult exactly part right. for them is yep. this is a team that could realistically miss the playoffs right now, even though I think they're better than pretty much every team that we just mentioned in that grouping. And that's the maddening part is football-wise, quality-wise, they're absolutely there. But whether it's, you know, whether you're a Bills fan who believes it's bad coaching decisions by Sean McDermott at certain junctures, whether it's just the poorly timed turnover luck – that sunk your season in a competitive division. Either way, we've got this weird situation where I believe this is actually a team capable of winning multiple playoff games, especially with the talent on offense there that might not even get the chance at this point. Um, speaking of a team with playoff hopes, Dad, the Lions uh, lose to the Packers. Turnovers on offense here. The Lions sputtering in this loss, Dad. Something, nothing, or everything uh, as we look to their potential playoff and Super Bowl Listen. hopes. There has to be something to it, right? I mean, the expectation was high this year coming off of last year where I called their game against the Packers when, you know, the game before that determined a lot of the outcome of what was going to go on in that last game. So Detroit was right there, right? So we all had the high hopes this year. And now they have a big lead in the North. And after that game against Green Bay on Thanksgiving, I think we were all a little bit like, Okay, um, you know, they have a big lead. They should be able to hang on to it. But the expectation was a little bit more. You know, we were talking about the depth of the NFC. We're talking about Philly, San Francisco, and Dallas. And it usually stopped there. And then we would put Detroit up there in that top four. And then they lay an egg like they did, uh, which is something, unfortunately, they've been used to doing on Thanksgiving, though we didn't expect it this year. So, yeah, there's concern. I think they still make the playoffs. But there's concern sure. with how they're playing when they get there and that expectation. And you know what? This is probably a good time to remind people, and we talked about this um, some earlier in the season, of what the expectations are for the Lions this year. This is a team that has been a laughingstock for a long time and then became this plucky underdog who would lose a bunch of close games. And then last year was on the verge of making the playoffs, ultimately lost out, but was able to throw a missile into the side of one of their rivals in the Packers and keep them out of the postseason in Aaron Rodgers' final year there. And now, Dad, 
If they go on to win the division, if they go on to make the postseason, that is going to be a successful year for the Detroit Lions. Yes. So what yes. I'm about to say next comes with that caveat, which is as we've tried to justify their place amongst the top end of the NFL this year, we do the power rankings, the college football playoff committee style rankings for the NFL playoffs on Thursdays. They aren't built like the top teams in the NFC right now. When you look at Philadelphia, when you look at San Francisco, I even right. think when you look at the Dallas Cowboys Dallas, right now, yeah. I think that there's still something missing for the Detroit Lions. And we're going to talk. I heard Dominique Foxworth on his show the other day railing about the defense on that team. I looked at Jared Goff and I said, we saw the ceiling show up again. Jared Goff has been a good quarterback. We talked about him having a little bit of edge to him, absorbing some of the Dan Campbell. But when it comes to Jared Goff, the player, what we've seen is when the system breaks down, Jared Goff is not going to go beyond that. And you saw that show up in some of the negative plays in this game. And I think going forward, that was a reminder of, all right, there's only so much I'm going to expect from Jared Goff in certain situations. And for Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts, for Dallas with Dak Prescott, even for Brock Purdy in San Francisco, I think all of those at that position have shown more ability to ad-lib and create than I think Jared Goff is capable of. And I think we kind of got that reminder. Fumbled three times against the Packers, three picks against the Bears. The thing we said about golf last year when they were making a run was he's not playing like he was still with the Rams. And this year, unfortunately, in some of the games, we're saying he's playing like he was still with the Rams. And that's what they were trying uh, to avoid. So it is a little bit shaky right there right now with the turnovers. I think it, it, what becomes interesting after this year is what is the long-term conversation about Jared Goff with the Detroit Lions? Because you're probably not going to be able to hold on to Ben Johnson for another offseason if right. you're the Lions. And I think that's part of the sense of urgency around this year is, hey, you got him to come back. That was a big deal. You build on all these areas on defense. And if you aren't able to go out there and really push into the postseason and then you lose Ben Johnson, what does this look like? And do we start having more high-level <laughs> conversations about Jared Goff in that quarterback spot? Who, again, has been very good. You mentioned him looking like the version of him with the Rams could get you yep. to the Super Bowl. But again, in this league where we're so used to quarterbacks now being able to afford you even more and while this isn't the AFC and where when healthy you need basically a future Hall of Famer to compete we're still seeing it's becoming problematic at certain critical junctures because man if Jordan Love keeps this up by the way that yeah. dude's starting in the middle of the end of this season, really starting to put it together. And that's a guy who you saw the fun, like all the fun stuff that's easy for us to see. If you don't know a lick about quarterback play watching NFL football, but you see the way that Jordan Love's able to go out there and move around, see the things that he's able to do. It's a lot of the stuff that gets you excited that we see from Justin Fields and spurts, but it's starting to show up a little bit more consistently for Jordan Love in an offense that's sort of growing with him. Yeah, it is, and and because I know for a while there, early on in Green Bay, it was like, uh-oh, do we have to start the search for a quarterback and start over again here for this guy who was waiting in the wings, waiting in the wings, and now getting his chance. But he is now rounding out into the form that a lot of people thought he would. So if that can – and that's always a big question at the end of the year for every team. Are you set at the most important position? And now Green Bay is certainly leaning that way that they will be going forward with Jordan Love. Yeah, it, uh, it, it's starting to look like, once again, they might have found another dude there. 
Like the Packers, who would be, you know, they're, are looking for potentially their third straight future Hall of Fame quarterback here. We're not ready to put him in Canton yet. No. But at the very no. least, it looks like he's going to get invited back to the party next year. And that was the thing we weren't sure of because you sat with three years of mystery there. And now the mystery being revealed is pretty good. Uh, Dad, something, nothing, or everything. The Falcons take back the division lead after Bijan Robinson goes for two straight games with over 100 total yards here. Are, are we buying it? We talked about at the beginning of the season the Falcons. Falcons and Saints, two of the easiest schedules in football, playing in the NFC South that's pretty much, you know, abject dreck for the most yep. part here. Are, are we are we buying anything other than this is a team taking advantage of their easy schedule and they will promptly be yeah. shown the door once this gets to meaningful football? I, I say any, yeah, any team that comes out of the South, even if, it, if looking like Atlanta, um, then I would say, yeah, they're, they're, they're promptly going to be out. They're, they've already run through one, uh, all the teams in the division once. They're 3-0, and so they have that edge. They have the Jets coming up, then, then Tampa Bay, Carolina, a couple of uh, uh, division games, then Indy and Chicago, and then finish up with New Orleans. So it is not murderer's row by any stretch of the imagination. And it's always like Bajan Robinson, you know, we, we, we're head-scratching at times, like, are you using him? Are you not using him? What are you doing with this guy? Uh, so do they have enough to win the division? Yes, anything past that, I think, would be, uh, would be maybe asking too much. Yeah, I would agree. This is nothing to me, uh, especially as we've talked about even having questions about the Detroit Lions' top-end potential. Yeah, the Falcons are in the division lead right now, but that basically feels like a consolation prize here. Happy to see Bijan getting some use again, though. Those were yep. weird times as you've gone back and forth between Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter, who's back in the lineup now, and... Uh, the weird red zone things and Arthur Smith trying to answer questions and talk around that. Very strange. Last one here, Dad. Something, nothing, or everything. Justin Tucker missed a field goal under 50 yards this weekend. This feels like everything, and we should start preparing for the apocalypse. That felt like watching your dad get beat up in public, which I said has to be the most jarring thing on earth. Justin Tucker's one of the surest forces of nature that I've ever encountered. And watching that happen made me realize, oh, I don't know if this is a father time thing. I don't know if this is just a bad day thing. But it made me way more sad than any one kicker in the NFL should be able to make me. First off, I hope you never see me get beat up in public. That would be really rough. Uh, God, please not the fact that you saw that, but the fact that I got beat up and I wouldn't like that uh, at all. Plus, I'm 60. If I get in a fight in public, something you just pull me aside and say, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? I mean, seriously. Well, what are we, 12 here? Um, so he missed his – he was 20 for 20 in field goals under 50 yards, and he misses, what, a 40-yarder or whatever it was. Uh, he's, he's kicking at 80% this year. That is below the league average, which is something you never say about Justin Tucker. The guy's going to the Hall of Fame and deserves to go to the Hall of Fame, but it is pretty odd this year. His, you're not, you, th that was money. You're used to seeing that. Well, that one's money. doesn't matter how far it is. It's money. And we've scratched our head a little bit more than we have in the past with him. If Justin Tucker is truly human and we have to watch him go out like this at the end of his career, I don't know how to properly take that in. I don't know how to properly deal with that. I don't want to. I won't. Summertime is an awesome chance to enjoy some downtime, but also focus on taking care of myself before I get to the grind of fall football season and everything that comes with that. So I like to make sure I'm getting outside, moving around, eating as best I can, and of course using some sunscreen, especially on top of my bald head, to protect myself. And whether you're off to the pool, hiking, or traveling this summer, remember you're always bringing your microbiome with you. 
That's the 38 trillion bacteria that live in and on you, especially in your gut, that are essential to whole body health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits your gut, skin, and heart health in just two capsules a day. I've been taking Seed for about a month now, and DSO-1 has been awesome for me. I feel more regular, my skin looks and feels great, and it's incredibly convenient. I can store it right in the cabinet with all my other supplements because I don't have to worry about refrigerating it, and the free travel vial that I got with the Welcome Kit allows me to take DSO-1 on the go with me wherever I am during this busy summer. Because remember, your body's an ecosystem, and great whole body health starts in the gut. Your gut's that central hub for all the various pathways throughout your body and a healthy gut microbiome means benefits for digestion skin health heart health your immune system and so much more and it's backed by a ton of science with clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals seeds probiotic research and development make dso1 a product you know you can trust not only has every ingredient been tested individually in scientific studies for their safety dosage and benefits the dso1 formulation as a whole has been evaluated in two clinical trials so support your gut this summer with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Let's talk about two young studs. And no, I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about CJ Stroud <laughs> and Trevor Lawrence. Jags held off the Stroud magic in week 12 to strengthen their AFC South division lead. Trevor Lawrence threw for 364 yards. Texans missed a late field goal. Jags held on, much to Emerson Lazia's delight. Now, Lawrence and Stroud were both elite. And after the game, Trevor Lawrence had a very tongue-in-cheek answer when asked if he was super excited uh, to be facing Stroud twice a year. I want the teams in our division to be as bad as possible. So, no, I'm not – that's how I see it. And the way they're playing, um, it's exciting, yes. There's going to be some – I'm sure some great matchups down the road. And CJ's playing – he's playing lights out. He's doing a great job. I mean, to be a rookie and to play how he is, um, I got a lot of respect for him. I know that. I know how hard it is. You know, I've been in that position. Guys, are you excited for this rivalry to develop, to see these two go head-to-head over and over? And who, if you think about this, would you actually rather have going forward? Which one of these guys would you like to be on your team? Wow. Man, it's it's hard to ignore what, like, I understand we're caked in recency bias, but man, we just really have not seen a lot of what C.J. Stroud has done. He's got 3,266 pass yards right now, so he passed Justin Herbert for the most in NFL history by a rookie through his first 11 games. So he's coming for every rookie passing record we have, and Dad, we always talk about the rookie wall and all these things that stereotypically come up, and he just keeps kind of bursting through every limitation we normally put on guys in his situation, especially because we're still kind of coping with the idea that the Houston Texans are now a competently run franchise so I, I, I don't know dad I would probably lean towards CJ Stroud at this point which is saying a lot because I think in terms of a yeah. overall prospect I mean as an overall prospect Trevor Lawrence is probably one of the best if not the best in the last like five years or so in terms of sheer overwhelming physical talent at the position yeah he definitely is but I I, I think I think most people would lean toward Stroud right now and coming into the league, and we know how hard it is as a rookie quarterback, especially turning the ball over. 
that you, you can show all the ability in the world, but a lot of times young quarterbacks turn the ball over. 19 touchdowns, five interceptions. He's not turning the ball over. To me, that is so key in this. Because you look at their weapons. You have Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, and Evan Ingram as far as wide receivers, tight end for Jacksonville. Good group, right? Then you have Nico Collins, you have Tank Dell, and you have Dalton Schultz, who Dalton Schultz really the the, the big vet there. That's kind of the, the three in Houston. And so you, you kind of Tank Dell, nobody knew who he was, another another young kid, right, to come in with C.J. Stroud. So you look at what you're building around your guy, and that, that adds a lot to it as well. I mean, you got a guy, obviously, on the rookie deal in C.J. Stroud, but young receivers as well, not like Nico Collins is a grizzled vet at this point either. So I like what they're building around him, whereas Christian Kirk came in. Everybody wondered, wow, he got a big deal going to Jacksonville. But he has certainly helped live up to that. He has done a nice job. Calvin Ridley coming off the suspension for gambling uh, last year. Then Ingram uh, playing well and having a good year at the tight end position. So you like all their weapons, but their younger weapons in Houston with a younger quarterback. I just, you know, the arrow, we talk about the arrow pointing up for Jacksonville, which I think it is, but man, that arrow is really pointing up for how quickly with a rookie quarterback, with a rookie young head coach, just how well this team is doing. Where would you put this? Because we're we've got these two quarterbacks inside the same division, and it looks like they're going to be there for a long time. Like the Jags put even more distance between themselves and the rest of the AFC South in terms of the playoff picture. But when you think about divisional rivalries like this, Dad, and shout out to Trevor Lawrence, by the way, for saying the quiet part loud, because he kind of said it joking and then said all the right stuff. But in your heart of hearts, I think everybody would like that Tom Brady situation. Everyone yes. always says, oh, you got to beat the best to go through the. I don't want to beat the best. I want to beat a bunch Let's of bad teams it. and get paid and wear rings. Let's go. Yes. I mean, that that part is crazy. Even with players, oh, were you, were you bummed that the best running back in the league wasn't in the game? No. No. Don't care. Cool he wasn't. Don't care. I mean, so, yeah, I, Trevor Lawrence, what he said, every player is thinking without question. Uh, can this turn into yeah, a rivalry? I, <clears throat> I mean, certainly it can. Now, you, you, you know, you've got the Colts with a young quarterback in Anthony Richardson who we really didn't get to see a lot of because sure. of injury there. So we have to kind of wait and see on that. And Tennessee is turning it over to a young quarterback right now and Will Levis. So we'll see what they can kind of restructure into as well. It is a, it is a division where right now, well, you would have had as Gardner Minshew, but you basically had three rookie quarterbacks going to be running that show, right? So these two teams split their season series. Houston won the earlier one pretty decisively. Jacksonville avenged it here. And so I guess that's what I mean, because it seems like it could be pretty competitive. Because I think of the other quarterbacks that we have inside the same division who are top-notch, right? The best pair overall is probably Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow, right? Like you could argue, like Mahomes should lift the AFC West in there. You've got Justin Herbert, who's great, but the Chargers just haven't been competitive enough in that. Really, the entire AFC West hasn't. I guess it's, it's how you want to go, Dad. Like in terms of sheer talent going into a matchup between two quarterbacks, who would it be for the number one pairing inside a division? Would it be Lamar Jackson versus Joe Burrow, or would it be Mahomes versus Herbert? Because it seems like that's got to be the conversation. I don't know well, if Tua and Josh <clears throat> Allen necessarily touch that one. Mahomes and Herbert, if, if you want to just talk about talent or where can they lead their teams. 
because right now the Chargers have underachieved in that point. Now, Baltimore sure. has gotten to the playoffs and has lost in the playoffs. Um, last year it was They've without also Lamar won in the playoffs. Jackson. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Um, and Cincinnati with Joe Burrow has gotten to the Super Bowl. So I think you do have to go on results. So I would put it more with Lamar and Burrow over Mahomes and Herbert just because the Chargers haven't really gotten it done uh, in the postseason. But as far as youth, I mean, the oldest court went again. Remember, it's supposed to be Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis, and it will be next year. The oldest quarterback in that league will be uh, as far as years in the league is going to be Trevor Lawrence, who got into the league in 2021, right? I mean, 2021. Yeah. That's the oldest, that's the most tenured quarterback in that division. I guess that's the the sell for them, too, as far as if you were going to buy like one quarterback divisional rivalry. Because you've also got Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott in the AFC and the NFC East, excuse NFC, me, yep. Dak Prescott certainly much longer tenured in that conversation than Jalen Hurts, who is slowly like as far as the things we think about, Dad, from a narrative perspective, not saying from a football perspective. Jalen Hurts was an MVP candidate last year. He played statistically the far better game of the two quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, and the other one's on track to be the greatest of all time in Patrick Mahomes. Like, Jalen Hurts is working his way with the fourth quarter comebacks, with being clutch, with how his teammates talk about him, into the best quarterback conversation in that tier below Patrick Mahomes in some people's minds. But in that division, too, that matchup with him and Dak is pretty tasty. We go, I was just going to say, do you go Lamar and Burrow or Dak and Jalen? I would probably go Lamar and Burrow just because for Dak Prescott right now, having a great season right now and certainly going to be in the MVP conversation right now. But when you look at Burrow and Lamar Jackson, I still think there's an extra tier up in that from what we've got with Dak and Jalen right now. Jalen's been great. Like, he stares eye-to-eye with those guys in a lot of ways, but I would still give the edge to Burrow and Lamar Jackson right now. And I think the conversation would really be between Mahomes. Because, like, talent-wise, Mahomes and Herbert, that's probably, like, the one you're most excited to see on any given weekend, right? Regardless of what the teams are going to present in terms of what quarterbacks can do, they would, would they edge out Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow for you? Because I think right now in my brain they would. Well, I mean, man, those offenses, both those offenses between Lamar running the ball and he's got receivers this year and the potential of that Cincinnati offense that we've seen hit their stride. Uh, I, I think I would still probably lean toward them, though it's so difficult to keep Mahomes out of any conversation just because he's Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, it's just, well, what about, what about, yeah, Patrick's Patrick, you know, and just you just don't know what he's going to pull out of his sleeve. He did one of the throws again. There was a corner he threw to Travis Kelsey that was like over a linebacker and before a safety that was just on a rope. And it's the one that reminds you why you fell in love in the first place. And that was the one that reminded me exactly why we fell in love with Patrick Mahomes. Coming up next, the guy we fell in love with in the college football playoff, Cardale Jones, joins the show. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Welcome 
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. The Michigan-Ohio State rivalry has always had, let's just call it what it is, a level of hatred to it, given the relevancy of the game and, you know, how annual it is. But Jim Harbaugh said Monday that a lot of this tension and animosity seems to be manufactured by outside sources. A lot of that seems very, very built up from outside of the two programs. Uh, you know, um, I'm not going to go as far as to say contrived, uh, but I mean, it is hyped up. I mean, hyped up to, uh, to ends of, to no, to no ends. It's very manufactured for the TV show that, uh, that people want to, want to watch and, and, and see. And now the guys are going to welcome in a guest mm. who can tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah, can tell us about that and more. Former Ohio State quarterback and national champion Cardell Jones joins us now. Uh, he's got a new book coming out, The Incredible Untold Story of the College Football Playoffs' First Hero, uh, which awesome. first and foremost, uh, Cardell, congratulations on the book. Thank you for joining us, man. How you doing? Good morning, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, so for, uh, first and foremost, I mean, we're coming off the game this weekend. You just heard that from Harbaugh, manufactured animosity here. What did you make of those comments from him? Um, I think just like almost any other thing that uh, Harbaugh says, just a little weird um, <laughs> to think that the game doesn't live up to the hype when it comes to the two programs. I think it's a lot of dislike. I don't want to use hate because it's such a strong word. It's a dislike on both sides of the ball. And when I think of a lot of outside sources, I think of not just the media, but I think of the fan bases that are so um, beloved of these programs who haven't stepped foot to these programs, who've never been in these facilities or even went to these universities in some cases that have so much um, pride, joy, and uh, other emotions built up to this rivalry. And I think that's what adds to the quote-unquote hype of it. But um, the hype is what it is because over the years and the tradition and the, and the history over these two programs back and forth on the gridiron and then just the whole, you know, um, uh, Toledo war back in the day, the war at the border from Ohio and Michigan for Toledo. So I think the history plays into the hype of it and maybe Harbaugh and, you know, the Michigan program isn't stressing the history of why it got to this as much. But for us at Ohio State, and I guarantee you in, that, in those uh, facilities now, you know, is more than just hype. So there's so much on that game. And a few years back when Harbaugh had lost two in a row, there was a thought of, boy, even though he's winning other games, what's his future if he can't beat Ohio State and get to the Big Ten championship game into the playoffs? Now that's reversed. Ryan Day has lost three in a row. You know, did get to the playoffs last year, even though didn't get to the Big Ten Championship, but still not winning that game three years in a row. In your mind, is there any cause for concern of Ryan Day going forward with this team? I don't, I don't think so at all. And But clearly those decisions are made above my pay grade. Yeah. But I don't think so because you look at this guy's track record, you look at his record versus everyone else in the Big Ten, and is um, I mean, no one else has beat him, you know, or even really even for the most part came close. And then you look at his record versus the top 10 opponents and top 25 opponents is, uh, you know, is over 60, 70%. So you cannot deny what he's have done. And you look at the guys he helped develop to get to the next level. You can't deny his coaching ability, his um, development, and his strength in his program is just, this is just one hurdle, and that hurdle happened to be massive that he hasn't yet crossed in his young head coaching career at Ohio State. So I think it'll be a situation just like how, 
you know, Clemson gave Dabo Sweeney a lot of time, effort, and energy and leeway when it comes to beating South Carolina. And I think they're on like a 10, 20, whatever game stretch of beating up and their rivalry after going 0 and 5. And, and Harbaugh, the same thing. You know, he didn't catch his first um, victory over Ohio State until, you know, I think he was 0-4 and 0-5. So um, it's going to take the university to be clearly understanding with him and still weigh out all the options of everything he's done outside of that game to make a decision like that. So from the game now to the college football playoff, which is one of the things that lies on the other side of this, the stakes for that game were incredibly high, and now we're looking and getting closer to that final weekend of rankings. And Cardell, for you in the book, again, the incredible untold story of the college football playoffs first hero. This is kind of where your journey started at the end of the season, and I'm curious for you, as you watch now and see Tate Rodemaker at Florida State, who steps in after the injury to Jordan Travis, plays in that last rivalry game against Florida, and is now is going into the conference championship weekend between that and the book walk us through what he's going through right now as someone who lived that experience during the first year of the college football playoff you know i would imagine with an injury that happened to jordan travis clearly that is devastating but um that that florida state team just looked like a team that just rallies around each other you uh, had an opportunity to really catch a few of their games this year especially their first game versus lsu and just to see how that team rally around um, each other when things aren't going as planned. I guarantee that's what they're doing with Tate and leading up to last week versus uh, their rivals on uh, Florida and they're going to get continue to develop his confidence and give him more confidence in um, not just himself but his playmaking ability and his teammates around him as they get ready for the ACC championship and hopefully the college football playoffs. But going through that mindset with the mindset I was in was pretty much I didn't want to let my team down. I knew how hard we worked um, to get to that point and I knew, you know, honestly, I was just like, you know, if we have a slip up now, clearly I'm the only new piece. It's going to be because of me. I'm going to get blamed. So <laughs> I was trying to do everything <laughs> in my power to make sure um, I was ready for, you know, I think it was Wisconsin who we played in the Big Ten Championship game. And then even just dating back a week before going into the Michigan game, you know, we had sayings around our facility and our, and our program of, you know, prepare like a starter. And I really took that to heart about midway through that season of 14. And I think that's what ultimately helped me um, help our team get some of the success that we had. So I'm pretty sure Tate and Florida State are rallying around those guys. I'm pretty sure at a place like Florida State, you know, he was good enough to go to anywhere in the country. This is not like a typical backup situation where this guy was found off the streets. Like, you know, you see some of the NFL things going on, just bring a guy in. Two weeks later, he's playing. This guy been in every meeting, just like Jordan Travis. This guy's been through spring ball. He's been through camp. He's been through the ground. He's been through hustle and bustle. Now it's time to put those mental reps to, to work and hopefully transition to some of the physical performance that they want. Yeah, when you're the new guy, self-preservation comes into play a little bit, no doubt about that. Hey, <laughs> yeah. uh, only only about, about a minute or so left. I'm wondering your thought of the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. You always played once a year. With the way it's going to go, with divisions being gone and going to 12 teams, you guys could literally play three times a year, regular season, Big Ten championship, and then in the playoffs again. In your mind, does that diminish this rivalry at all? You know, I, I personally think it does a little bit because I think it doesn't put much emphasis on the 12th game, which is the game, um, because they can potentially play in the following week. So I can see scenarios where, you know, if coaches want to quote-unquote rest players for the Big Ten Championship game to hopefully win that game the following week versus Michigan or versus Ohio State to get a better seating in the playoffs. So I think that's all going to be strategized. And I think it does 
give a little different um, element to the rivalry that is going to be um, missing because now it's like, hey, we don't play this game for another 300, 365 days. We're going to play this team. Now, hey, no, we played them in six days. <laughs> and, then if, and then if it match up again in the in in Cosmo Plus, hey, no, we play them in another, another six days. Right. So um, I think it takes away from that a little bit. And I can only imagine one of those teams losing three times in one year to the other team. Um, what that would do for a head coach or a program <laughs> moving forward. I didn't think about that prospect there, but you're right. <laughs> that is anxiety inducing right now. If they think the hot seat's already hot under Ryan Day or any of these coaches. Uh, Cardell, we appreciate the time, man. Everyone, the incredible untold story of the college football playoffs first hero. Uh, Cardell, congrats on that. It has to be incredible, and I'm sure it's a lot of great memories that have come out of this process for you. Sure was. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys, and hopefully you guys have an opportunity to grab the book and uh, share some memories and flashbacks of that 2014 season. Sounds great. As a special year, Dad, and I know yeah. I remember well the start of the college football playoff era begins with one of the coolest stories possible. You talk about staying ready for your moment to stay yeah. ready and help beat a rival and then go on this run and ultimately end it with a ring on your finger is unbelievable. Listen, he said it, though. If you're the new guy coming in, you don't want to be the guy screwing up, right? You're going along well, then you're kind of the new addition. You want to keep the train going. You want to keep the machine humming. You don't want to be that guy. So I'd imagine that's a, that's a, a really, really a mental state for you that you got to be in. They were the lowest-ranked team in the first college football playoff right. poll to ultimately make the CFP. They're the reason we have so many of these hypothetical conversations, all because of that man's right arm. All right, time to finish off with this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you into the rest of your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating and check us out here live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV+, Plus, the DraftKings YouTube channel, Roku, all these great places. And tell a friend. We get people asking us all the time where they can see us live. Let them know. Help somebody out. And if you miss any of it or our great guest, Jordan Brooks, the linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks that joined us today, or Cardale Jones, who's got a great new book coming out again. Cardale Jones, the incredible untold story of the college football playoffs first hero, talking about the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry, what Florida State can expect with their backup quarterback going into a role the way Cardale did. All of that you can check out wherever you get your podcast or right here on YouTube as soon as we get done with the show. Guys, let's get to this, that, and the third with a very important announcement yesterday. Nicole Arbach, our friend and senior writer over at The Athletic, reported that the Pop-Tarts Bowl will have the first ever edible mascot this year. According to the bowl, when the final whistle blows, the winning team is going to celebrate by taking a bite out of the giant pastry mascot. Now, she reached out to comment and ask if they knew what flavor it was going to be. They cannot disclose that. Dad, I know one thing. This game is December 28th in Orlando. There's a chance that Notre Dame plays in this one. If Notre Dame makes this bowl game, I'm buying a ticket and I'm biting that mascot. Oh, I'm looking I'll them dead there. in the eyes right now and telling you, yeah. I'm going to bite your mascot. It, you cannot it, stop it, me. All the security in the world won't save you. I'm biting that mascot. It brings, you know, to life the term bite me, right? Because mm. uh, that's what's going to happen. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to happen. I'm going to be there with you, and we'll get most of that popped up. It, it, as, I, as I answered Nicole's tweet, I said, this now becomes the greatest bowl game of all time. Of all time. 
when you can eat a Pop-Tart. And I don't care about the flavor. I like them all, but if you're going to ask me, I would go brown sugar. Oh, got that one I, right I would here. Probably, brown sugar. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I'd Jesse, go what down you got road. over there in the holster? We got frosted brown sugar cinnamon. We got frosted yeah. strawberry. And I know you guys are going to love the opportunity to rip me for this. I have never had a Pop-Tart. Oh, come on, Jesse. Eat one of them Jesse. right now? No. Eat one of them. Try it on air. I got my glucose test, buddy. I can't. I can't. <sighs> How have you uh, never had a pop tart? Diabetes, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. What the hell? Tomorrow. Right. Tomorrow, the, then, Jesse. The once you go through this test. Yes, and Mike, hopefully pass. Mike, you know what it's been? When she was growing up, instead of pop tart, she got served caviar. No, bad. no. I had an I almond mom. Say. I had an almond mom who would not have allowed this anywhere near my home. Yeah. Yeah. What, no. is an, what is an uh, almond mom? It's the mom What's that's like, maybe, oh, when you're like, mom, I'm hungry. She's like, maybe you're just thirsty. Or do you want some almonds? Or have you tried chewing your almonds? food a hundred times? Yeah. For a kid? Yeah. As oh, a I kid, she gave you a handful of almonds. Yeah, I had almonds. Oh, yeah. I mean, she I wasn't I that crazy, her. but... Yeah. You know. Well, right. you know what? Wow. Tomorrow, you're about to have a handful of Pop-Tart on this show here. <laughs> they do the mock-ups yep. of those fake flavors all the time on the internet. I need someone to mock up caviar Pop-Tarts for Jesse so that oh, we can appeal to her finer, finer taste. You know what? No. No. I think that the frosted strawberry sounds just delightful. So good. Oh, I can't wait to taste from, it from, and just the look on your face. Mm. I hope I like it. For my money. And by the way, Pop-Tart has... A, go on the Pop-Tart's website. They got more flavors than you can imagine. Some of them are really good. I've had like Eggo waffle flavor, which is awesome. If I got awesome. to choose the flavor of it... And I think I remember from the press release at the beginning of the year, these guys are going to get their own custom Pop-Tarts for whatever team makes the bowl. Wow. I would want Wildberry. I think it's sneaky underrated. And with this, the flavors aren't totally real. So how you package it and the color on the actual Pop-Tart matters a lot. Wildberry renders beautifully and tastes... So so, even better. So if Notre Dame makes that bowl, what flavor should Notre Dame lucky have charms. their pop tart? Like a lucky charm Ooh, marshmallow. Lucky charms charms would go pop tart. Hard. Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty good. Wow, man. Wow. See, in a day and age of collaboration, now Jesse, you're living in 3023 right oh, yeah, now. Baby. I love this. Oh yeah. <laughs> For a person that has never once tasted a pop tart. Wow. Uh, that is. That speaking is of living insane. in the future, this is not a world I ever thought I'd. So, by the way, we need the collaboration between them and the Duke's Mayo Bowl. That feels like spirit. Fill it with mayonnaise. Oh, God. There it is. No. Fill it with mayonnaise. Don't do Battle it. the bowl games. No. Do something. No. I'll dunk that no. mascot in mayonnaise, and no. I will eat it in no. front of the congregation. It's going to be like that nope. scene in Mother where they eat the baby oh, with a pop tart. No. Um, no. Speaking of uh, none of that, let's get to that. Uh, I was amazed when I saw this. According to Variety, the show Frenchy Shore, French's controversial app, France's controversial adaptation of Jersey Shore, has been slammed by the Minister of Culture as borderline porno and quote the trashiest reality show ever produced in france which jesse as a person who is a fellow product of the jersey shore era with me that just means they did the show right yeah like, that was, tells me it is spiritually aligned with its counterpart in america yeah exactly i was like this you're describing the jersey shore so it's an it's a french adaptation so it's obviously the same just in france i mean the bottom line here is you can call it what you want but how does it rate 
if it has great ratings, then so be it, right? That means people are watching, and that, isn't that what all that matters? No, yeah. And as we we talked about this before uh, the show, but the Japanese translation of uh, the Jersey Shore is the Macaroni Rascals. So I thought that was just important to know. <laughs> what? Yeah, Macaroni <laughs> Rascals. The macro- yeah. I need a Macaroni Rascals t-shirt. I, I don't like, know I need to air to breathe. So bad. What I'm excited for France is when they get to the point we're at because France has just entered 2006 right now. I'm mm. very excited for them to do all that. Original recipe for Loco is going <laughs> to come out soon over there. No one has ah. touched the formulas in their pre-workout supplements, so their foreheads are scratching. And they have not lived yet because eventually what's going to happen is Frenchy Shore stars are going to make the turn that ours did because now you see like Pauly D on Fox News all the time. The meme was going around the other day of Pauly D talking about inflation on Fox News. So I'm excited for France in about a decade to watch all of the people from again a show that the Minister of Culture called the trashiest reality show and borderline porno to then become their political pundits. We live in an unserious time, is what it comes yeah, down it, to. Wasn't on on one of those political shows? Wasn't Fabio on it? Probably. I mean, uh, yeah, yes. he he was. I mean, this. And they're like, model. "What should we do in Ukraine?" Like that's what I, I, the questions that they're being asked. Let's hey, let's let's go to Fabio for an answer. Yeah. Uh, seems odd. Okay. Sure does. I mean, in the same breath where we're about to eat a mascot on live television, True. it actually feels yeah. like we're right where we're supposed to be. Yeah. Speaking of right where we're supposed to be, we're going to do this last story while uh, Jesse also fulfills one of her obligations. She can't eat Pop-Tarts because she has to go and get her glucose tested, which means she's got to drink this weird, like, pregnancy, awful Kool-Aid concoction that basically tastes like sugar water. And yep. so... Jesse, are you going to chug this on air? Is that how this is going to go down? Yeah, you have to. You have to finish the drink within five minutes. So it's 9.55. It's got to be done by 10. So I'll just let you guys talk while I drink this drink. Do it. Drink it. Drink it. All right, Jesse's going to get a chuggy on this. Oh, yeah. Uh There we go. Oh, wow. That does not look like a fun time. This is like like college peer pressure, isn't it? Drink it. Drink it. Oh, yeah, it is. (laughs) Chug it, freshman. Chug um, it. While Jesse's while <laughs> Jesse, oh, oh wow, she just downed it all in record time. Oh Incredible. my god. How was that? Yeah, it's done. Oh yeah. That a girl. Yeah. I did it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> man. Mother motherhood is a beautiful process. <laughs> Cheers. She's glowing. Ooh. Wow. The things that you do. For the child growing inside of you. Yeah. Just um, look forward to the Pop-Tart tomorrow now. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't wait. These look delicious. So I'm going to eat one of these tomorrow. Hopefully, when I find out I don't have gestational diabetes. <laughs> there you go. Don't eat one now. We're rooting for Jesse there. <laughs> We're rooting for Jesse there. Um, oh, that is awesome. Uh, as one more note for the third on the way out, there's not much that needs to be said about this other than uh, Sports Illustrated, you should be ashamed of yourself. Futurism reported yeah. an article yesterday that Sports Illustrated had published articles by fake AI-generated writers and that their parent company had actually used ai generated headshots created fake writer profiles to post under ai generated content and make it look real they have then deleted the content when asked about it uh we support the si writers union that's hot garbage and a bunch of loser behavior this is an absolute sham to journalism we talked about journalistic integrity in some ways in the last couple of weeks this is despicable and ridiculous 
It's another reason to hate AI, right? Yeah. I mean, as if we need any more reasons. I mean, this show is clearly against AI, and we were just given another reason to hate them even more. Join us in our fight against the robots. Boom. Yes. You too can chug gestational diabetes Kool-Aid in proof that you are a human being growing another human being inside you. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, Gojo and Golik, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving in the 2024 NBA postseason. You get it. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.